Well, usually um, when I step down, there's another guy that steps up here. And uh, he's a little taller than I am. You might notice, I don't know. But uh, Jamie Miller is our senior pastor. And, uh, you know, guys, we are so blessed uh, to have Jamie as a leader with Kim. Um, They walk in such humility. (laughs) But Jamie is uh, with some of our church planners in Thailand this week. And um, encouraging them, uh, doing some coaching, working through, you know, different things that they might need to, to talk about, being on the field way far away. And uh, so he's there with them today, so I get to be here with you guys. And um, I do want to just, as I get going, I want to pray uh, to get started this morning. I do want to pray for Jamie and the travel team there and uh, Ty, the Thai team led by Brent Pennington. So if you would just join me as I pray for our morning, uh, remembering them as well. Father, I just thank you so much again uh, for the house of the Lord to get to come together. Lord, we just ask that uh, today where Jamie is at with the travel team and with the Thai team, that Lord, your presence would be with them, that you would fill the place that they're at, that you'd give them great rest when they lay down, that you would give them uh, wisdom that comes from heaven for the things that you are stirring and and doing. Lord, we want to see the kingdom of Thailand come to you. We want to see the kingdom of God advance in that place and with that people. And so the part that you've given us to play, to be a part of, that you have raised up the Penningtons and others with them, Lord, we pray a blessing on them today, that they would be all that they are created and meant to be there and that your kingdom would come through them in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So are we doing good? Everybody can hear me on this thing, and we're good? Okay, great. Um, I'm going to get some water. Well, guys, it is the spring, and uh, if you're like me, Benadryl is your friend right now. And uh, so I might need a little more water today, but, uh, but uh, we are, you know, we started last week a new series uh, about joy, inexpressible joy, and uh, it comes out of 1 Peter 1.8, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a, of a weird idea to have inexpressible joy. It's kind of like having the unsearchable riches in Christ that are talked about in Ephesians, um, but, it, you know, if you've experienced the goodness of the Lord, if we have encouragement from Him, as Paul would say, then there's something that wells up within us when we are with Him, when we are with His people. There's something that comes alive in us, and you can see it in other people. The other day I was in Lowe's. I go there a lot <clears throat> in this time, working on my house. And uh, I was standing behind a couple, and they were probably late 50s, kind of right there, and just a, a really nice couple, really sharp looking, and both had kind of some gray hair, and, and uh, you know, they weren't dressed anything special, but they just, they just seemed nice. And as I sat there and looked at them, I, I just really had the feeling that these were missionaries, that these guys were, were missionaries in the kingdom, and I had a big cart of stuff, and they were up there, and I was back here, but I just prayed for them, and they just had such a, a glow about them. There was just something about the Lord and His presence that just permeated 
all about them. And they got done and, and went out. I didn't get to talk to them. I checked out. And by the time I got outside, they were getting in this kind of little car, and there's a little fish on the back, you know, little ichthus. And I was like, you know, they're, they're Christians. They know the Lord. But I knew that before I ever saw the fish because of that life that was coming up out of them, that joy that comes without words. In 1 Peter 1.8, where we get this, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not um, see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And we live in a time where Jesus doesn't walk with us every day in flesh and blood. But he's alive. We declared that truth last week on Easter Sunday that Christ came and he died on the, the cross. He was put in a tomb and for three days he was dead. But he rose again and he's alive. And that is the truth of Easter. That is the reality. The resurrection story is that Jesus is alive and well. And we cannot see him, but we believe and we love him. And there's a joy that rises in our heart that, uh, that words can't, can't quite get at every part of it. So as I jump in today, I'm going to talk a little bit about our identity in Jesus and how that leads to joy. I'm going to start with kind of the idea of the pursuit of happiness. There was a movie that came out a few years ago by that name. Pretty good movie. But I think that that term, I think a lot of us can get some ideas about that. That in this life, we pursue what makes us happy. It's a normal thing. It would be weird if we just pursued everything that made us sad. So, so pursuing happiness is a, is a good thing. It's okay. Um, but sometimes we can misunderstand the place that God has given us in joy for happiness. Um, you know, I, I even was looking on iTunes uh, just to verify this, but uh, you know what the number one song in the land is right now, on iTunes at least? Happy, right? Everybody know the Despicable Me song? But, uh, but uh, you know, it, it, it's something that we, we want. You know, it's something that we desire, that we many times will do whatever it takes to make us happy. However you define that. And that can change from time to time, right? That can change from even moment to moment is what makes us happy. Happiness is based on happenings. It's based on how things are going with us. So if, you know, uh, if good things are happening, we feel good. If bad things are happening, we feel bad. That's the way it works. If uh, you need any you know, handles for this, you can look in the stock market. And you know, I'm not real active in the market right now. Many of us may not be. But people that, uh, that are really into that, they're, they're going for it, man, they are, that is like a barometer of their soul and their life. If the market's up, they're doing great. The market's down, it is bad. But something that I am a little more into is sports. And when my team is doing poorly, which it seems like most of them do, 
I am not happy. It is a difficult, difficult situation. And I keep hoping at halftime the coach can turn that thing around. He is going get, to get into their lives and, and turn the switch. And when they come out in the second half, boy, it's going to be awesome. This is going to be like something they're going to write about, the turnaround that's going to happen, right? Because I'm a Cowboys fan, and that's many times what has to happen. I'm also an Aggie fan, and that's many times what has to happen. So, you know, we, we are based in this reality that not everything that happens to us is happy. That is the reality of our life, that there is suffering, that there is difficulty, there is trial, there is tribulation, to use the Bible word. But what I want to talk to about today is joy, and it's a deeper reach than happiness. It, it is, it, it's something that is deep inside. Where is the, the, the little joy place? I don't know. I don't know where it specifically resides, but I know when it's doing good. I know when it's active and it's working well, and I know when it's not, because it comes out of me. It comes out of my skin. It comes out of my pores. When I am not at peace, when I'm running around, I not only have an effect on me, but I have an effect on others. And, and cultivating that place of joy and letting that grow in my heart and you know, down deep inside is really kind of growing up in Christ. It's growing into maturity. Um, you know, joy, the way I like to think, it, it springs from a bedrock place from a, a, a deep well that is my identity in Jesus. When I understand who I am in Him, then, then joy can flourish. It's like it can put its roots down in soil that has nutrients and can feed me. Um, I want to get to the, uh, the main thing here, if you've got that, guys, is <clears throat> that inexpressible joy springs from within as we see and live from our identity being rooted in Christ. And I really want to get the idea of rootedness across today. I've been working a lot in my yard lately. And um, I've got a few trees. I live here in Wedgwood, so I've got a few trees around the property. And as you dig down, I find roots and, and rock. Um, when you go about two inches below my dirt, uh, you hit rock. And it's, it's pretty solid from then on. Um, I think to China, maybe. Um, I've had to go quite a far down there, and it's just rock. That's all it is. And, um, and I've learned a lesson in there. There are those that, that uh, wear gloves when they do stuff, and there's those of us that need to wear gloves when we do stuff in that. But when I dig down in there and I, and I come across these roots, um, I took, we took out a root yesterday that was that big. I mean, that big, and it was, I mean, it was 10 feet long. I mean, it was, it was huge. It was just kept going, and we kept chopping it and pulling it out and chopping. And, you know, it was huge, but it was in there to, to keep that tree rooted and grounded. I can't walk over to that tree and just shove it over. The wind was blowing like crazy yesterday, and I kept looking up going, is, is this thing going to fall over? We just cut this huge root out, you know? But no, it's grounded. That, it has hundreds of those kind of roots. It's rooted. And in our Christian life, 
We have to be rooted with a number of different branches, a number of different roots that go down. Because what you're going to find is that the pursuit of happiness is a false joy. It's a false root. It does not dig deep. It lays across the ground at best. And when the wind blows, and it will blow, when the waves crash, and they will crash, how deep are our roots? So as we jump into this, the question that just I kept wrestling with, and I think it's the thing that we as Christians, or as, as people, as human beings, we wrestle with. It's who am I? Who am I? You know, when Moses met God in Exodus, when he was sitting before the bush, what did he ask? Who are you? Who are you? And God said, I am that I am. I am. It is a foundational reality. It's a question that we have to wrestle with. You know, as I was getting ready for this, I, I, I read all these kind of studies on happiness and things, and they, they just came out with a study out of Australia, a uh, school in Australia. They looked at three of the main um, Uh, developed nations in the world and they looked at thousands and thousands of test subjects and they found out that there is a midlife crisis they said it is common and they can almost predict it as they talk to people and it starts at about 40 to 42 I turned 40 this year by the way (laughs) it's 40 to 42 and the bell curve is clear the bell curve is clear it drops and that is, that's kind of the bottom of our happy experience. And then we kind of climb out of that. And do you know what the number one reason is? They said what they found was that people in their 40s were pretty well done with school. They were pretty well established most of the time in their careers, or at least heading in that direction. Their families, they had maybe met somebody, they were raising kids. I mean, they had gotten some of these other things out of the way, maybe. And they came to the point where they said, who am I? And why am I here? It's it's what we come to and we stand when we have everything before us. We ask the question, who am I? Who am I really? As I kind of prayed through this, um, You know, we can go a lot of different ways as we talk about identity. But I felt like the the main point to get across today is that we are either a slave or a free man and woman. You know, it really comes down to that reality. We are born into the earth a slave. A slave to sin. A slave to the law a slave to the pattern of this world. And I declare that to you as truth. That is revealed to us, that the Bible explores this whole thing, but it says that the, the, the devil tricked us and took our life. And when we are born, we are born spiritually dead and slaves to the pattern of this world. If you are uh, 
if you're a believer, if you're a thinking person, you've wrestled with some of this stuff. You've heard this message before. And I want to be clear that this is not what everybody outside of here is thinking and believing. They believe that, that uh, we've evolved, that we've come through these different things and we just kind of have this period of time where we look like we look right now, but if we came back in a thousand years or 5,000 years or 10,000 years, humans, we would have evolved into something else or you know, a better thing maybe. That, that we're just in this period right now. Or maybe they don't, they don't give it a lot of thought and they just realize that they were, they were born and they're going to die. And they're worm fodder when they're done. And, and all they've got is right here and now. But I, I, I want to be clear that the Bible says that we are under a different power and dominion than ourselves. We want to believe that we're independent. We want to believe that we're in control. We want to believe that we've, we've got this thing worked out. If I just do a little bit more, if I just work on it, if I get the right degree or I meet the right person or just if I get this thing done, then I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to get it all worked out. It's going to be fine. I'm in charge. And I, and I just am clearly saying that we are not. We are slaves. And, and without Jesus, um, we, we don't have much hope. You know, we, we don't have a whole lot of hope of getting out of that. Um, but I want to I encourage us today. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that, For by grace we have been saved, and this not of ourselves, not by works, but it is the free gift of God. It is the free gift. And we, we said it last week as we talked about Jesus coming to the earth. And He died on a cross and He paid the penalty for sin. He paid it. It's paid for. And He went into a tomb and He was raised to life again on the third day. He lives. The, the life of God came into that hole and made a man come to life. It is unbelievable. It is crazy. What we believe is insane because it doesn't happen every day. If you go to a funeral, we're not expecting the guy to get up. We don't drive by cemeteries hoping that dead men rising aren't bothering us as we drive by. Nobody reaches through the ground and kind of hobbles over to the car and says, hey, can you take me to McDonald's? I'm kind of hungry. Been to the ground for 300 years. It is not normal. I, I just want to be clear. Like, if you've been in Christ, if you've been going to church your entire life, we can kind of get to the point that we think, hey, that's, that's kind of a normal idea. I mean, we don't give it that much thought. And when we talk to people that are under the pattern of this world, they are slaves to sin. They do not believe like you believe. They do not have the understanding of the cosmos that you have as a Christian. They think we're crazy. They think we're nuts. Why would you do that? Why would you waste your time on a Sunday morning when you can go have a nice brunch? When you can sleep in or you can go do whatever you want to do because you're in control. 
You know, we are here today because we believe differently. We are different. We're a little weird. We believe a strange story. But that strange story has changed our life. Jesus coming to the earth, being raised out of the grave, has changed everything. You know, it is awesome. You know, I was getting ready for this. I just kept saying, God, I know what you put in my heart is true. Please give me English words to set this out there. I hope it's coming through. We have been saved by grace. So, what I want you to know is that you've been purchased. If you're listening to me today and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have not received Him as your Savior, it's okay. All right? It's okay. I want to, to tell you that there is an opportunity today to change all of that and to change your life. My life has been radically changed and, and shifted because of God and what He's done in my heart. And it's not over. I'm 40, but I'm planning 40 more years. And, and I tell you, <laughs> I pray that I'm not the same person. I pray that I'm different. I pray that there's more light There's more glory that comes in me and through me in those 40 years than I can even imagine right here. See, I was trying to think about this whole idea of being purchased and being bought, that that we've been saved by this, this gift that's been given to us. But it's an active thing, you know? It's somebody reaching in and grabbing hold of us and saying, I own you. Well, recently I had the opportunity to watch, uh, I couldn't sleep one night, I watched Les Miserables. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Uh, I called it Les Miserables Forever, but <laughs> Les Miserables. And I like the movie, the theatrical version uh, with it, but, uh, you know, Liam Neeson and, and that part. And he plays Jean Valjean. He's this prisoner, put in prison for 19 years because he stole a loaf of bread to feed his starving sister and their family, okay? He was only supposed to serve... I think it was a couple of years, but he was such a terrible prisoner. He was such a terrible convict that he just kept getting more and more years put on his sentence. He ended up serving 19 years. And he gets out, and he ends up in the street, and he's got a piece of paper that says he's a convict, and he can't get anywhere, he can't get a job, can't find a place to live. And through a series of events, he ends up at a bishop's home, Bishop Muriel's home. <clears throat> they invite him in, they feed him, and uh, during the middle of the night, Jean Valjean gets up and he steals all the silver, silver spoons and forks and stuff. He seals it and um, throws it in a knapsack and he leaves. He was living out of the identity of who he thought he was. A convict, a prisoner. Well, the police capture him because crime does not pay. <laughs> And they bring him back to the door. <clears throat> Sorry. And Bishop Muriel says, I'm so upset with you. I'm so angry with you. And you think that it's because he stole from him. But he thrusts the candlesticks into his chest. And he goes, you didn't take the candlesticks. You didn't take these. And it's a moment where the police says, 
wait a minute, he didn't even steal this? And the bishop says, no, I give it to him freely. And not only that, but the candlesticks. So they let him go. He's not a prisoner. And they leave. And the bishop, as he's standing face to face, nose to nose, he says, you need to understand, I have bought you. I have purchased you for God. And it undoes me every time I think about it. Because my Savior did that for me. And He did that for you. He bought us at a price. And it was very costly. It was a free gift to us. But it cost, it cost Him everything. What is the life of a child to a father? It's, it, it, it's worth a lot. And today I want to declare to you, I want to say over you, that God has purchased you with His Son. And it is a free gift. And if you know that truth, then you're going to like the rest of what I have to say. If you don't know that truth, let's deal with that today. I'm calling you to make a decision for Jesus. Don't just come in here and try to be a part of something that you don't understand. It's a free offer. It's a free gift. And, uh, and you're welcome to come. We'll have the time at the end for that. But if you know the Lord and you have been bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, we were bought with a price. We need to live in the reality that we have been raised with Christ. Last week we had 13 baptisms right here. It was awesome. And the people went down into the water to, to represent the death of their body, their flesh, dying as a slave to all those things I mentioned, the law, sin, and the pattern of this world. Pursuing things, let me define the pattern of this world, is pursuing things that we think make us happy. It's the pursuit of happiness. It, it, it distracts us from this reality of joy that comes from being bought from Jesus, bought with Jesus. And when we go down into the water, we come out of it a new creation. That's the symbol. When we receive Jesus in that moment, we are made alive in Christ. And we need to live a resurrected life. We need to live out of the weirdness of our own story. We need to live from a place that does not make sense to the rest of the world. How do you do what you do? I couldn't do it. And the answer is simple. You're right. I have Jesus. And He's changed everything. He's taken my weakness. And He gives me strength. He comes in the darkness of the night and brings joy when I have pain. Because joy is eternal. Joy is everlasting. It never, ever, ever runs out. 
and we receive the fullness of joy in His presence. It was amazing. I, you know, I, I didn't give uh, Aaron my outline this morning, but, uh, but every song that he sang you know, was about this joy and the fullness of His presence. Um, the Bible talks in the New Testament all throughout, Colossians 3.1, Ephesians 2.6, Romans 6.4, that we have been raised with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This idea of resurrection is replete. It's throughout the entire scriptures that we are different and we've been made alive in Christ. Romans 8, you know, I, every time I preach, I say this is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Um, they all are, you know, they're just awesome. The Romans 8, 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba or Daddy, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Amen. You are not just bought and now the slave of God. We are bought and made sons and daughters. Be encouraged, ladies. The word sons in there means, means you know, non-gender specific. Sons and daughters, okay? We are sons and daughters of God. And, you know, many of us are, are middle class. And so the idea of inheritance is, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit and... and uh, at the end of time, but we're not planning that it, it kind of makes us. You know, it's, it's the thing that, that makes us for the rest of our life. All of our children just live in splendor because of the inheritance we received, most of us, okay? If that's you, that's awesome. But that's not most of our existence, you know? So we have to get this understanding of heir, of what an heir is. An heir is someone that receives everything that the Father has. Everything that the Father has is yours. We have been brought into this relationship with God through His Son, and we are not just God, Son, and then us. It says we're co-heirs with Christ. Think about that. You're co-heirs with Christ. How would you like to be co-owner of Microsoft? Or co-owner of Apple? Just, you know, just co-owner. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? I would like to be co-owner of Pepsi. You know, because I like Pepsi a lot. I mean, just think about it. Whatever you like, just co-owner. Just be right there. And you walk in and they say... Oh, you know what? We don't charge you, sir, because you own the place, you know? Co-owner is awesome. We are a co-heir with Christ. And so as God is revealing Himself to us as we walk with Him, 
more and more and more we should see this reality of, of our being an heir, being a son and daughter of God. Think of it as a flower in the spring. The buds start popping out. And over a few days, that thing starts opening up and revealing its beauty. And that's what you are. You're the flower. Each one of you are the flower in God's garden. Except you don't die. You just keep opening up more and more every day. Revealing more and more of God's beauty, God's glory, God's majesty, God's might, God's ability. Just more and more you're opening up. We don't feel that way every day, do we? We don't feel like the most beautiful thing on the, on the plant. <laughs> but that's the truth. I declare the truth to you today. That you are heirs of the King. You are sons and daughters of God. You are the flowers in His garden. And He is opening you up to His reality says that we should set our mind on the things above where Christ is seated, not on things of the earth. The pursuit of happiness has everything to do with what's on the earth. Do we buy the jet ski or not? It sure looks like it's going to be fun. That brochure is awesome. They've got big smiles. I wish my teeth looked like that. I mean, you know, wow, how fun to have a jet ski, right? It's not a sin. But if I'm living my life for a jet ski... How empty is it? Because right now, on most of the lakes in Texas, I can't go ride a jet ski. (laughs) Right? What are we living for? What are we pursuing that's more important than being an heir of of God in Jesus Christ? We have to pursue this in Jesus And so you say, Chad, how? You're telling me that I should have joy, that that this thing should be going on in my life, but it's not. Today, I don't feel it. I don't feel the joy that you're talking about. And so I want to identify with you. I don't always feel it either. We think of joy as that picture of Snoopy, you know, jumping around and just, you know, being Twitter-pated in life and just going around. There are days like that, but not every day. And so I've got a few little ideas here that we can jump into. John 15, 1 through 11, it's another favorite place for me. I, I try to spend a lot of time there. In John 15. Because I forget stuff. And I encourage you to meditate on John 15. Especially 1 through 11. There's, there's good stuff in all of it. But it might even be something that you memorize. You get into you. Because when, when I've got to walk this thing out, I need, I need a path. I need a path. Um, so the first thing I would say to you is a daily reminder. 
daily reminder, I challenge you, I double dog dare you to get up in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and say, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are accepted in the Father. You are able to do immeasurably more than you can ever expect as Jesus works through you. If you need help with this, there are resources, the I am statements of I'm accepted, I am loved, I'm you know, created by God. There, there's a lot of uh, resources out there. But declare who you are every single day. Tell yourself. And if you have to, tell others. Tell your wife. Say, hey, today I'm a child of God. Hey, did you know that I'm an heir of God? Everything he has is mine. Did you know that I'm a co-heir with Christ? He and I are bros. Right? It's not disrespectful, it's biblical. You know, tell yourself who you are. Because the enemy of our soul wants to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10, 10. And he is sending messages your way constantly. Constant barrage of messages telling you who you are that does not line up with what God says. Many of us have exchanged our identity in Jesus for the roles that we have in life, the jobs that we have. Being a dad or a mom is awesome, but it's not your identity because children can die. You know, it's true. Our jobs are not our identity because jobs come and go. What if I was a violinist? It's hard to see, right? I'm doing it weird. Where's Jim? (laughs) You do that, don't you? (laughs) Sorry. What if I had both arms cut off? I'm not a violinist anymore. Who am I? That's right. Our identity has to be deeper. It has to be more. Because jobs are going to come and go. Roles are going to change. Many times I see myself as a problem solver. You know, that's, that's something I'm kind of good at. Do you know there's a lot of problems I don't have a clue? <laughs> I don't know what to do. And it bugs me to death. I lose sleep over it. You know? I just have to start thinking just a little bit about kids that don't have food somewhere. And I just, I'm like, wow, we can fix this. How can we fix this? Let's get this done. We know how to do this. Or Electricity. Like, why do people not have electricity? I mean, seriously. We know how to do this. Why don't we just go do it, you know? And, and we can just kind of get caught up in this thing that's good. God may make you to, to do things. That's awesome. You have gifts, talent, skills. Great. But that is not your identity. Okay? We get stuck on that. So the daily reminder, who am I? Second thing is we need a good theology of failure and suffering. And that's a message unto itself, but there's several. But you need a good biblical understanding of failure and suffering. 
Because if we are living that as Christians, the glass will always be more than half full. I will always overcome every obstacle, everything that comes my way, every single disease, every single uh, thing that comes, I'm going to just overcome it with great joy and just go. I want to tell you, you're not going to feel that way. This is life. And life is hard some days. And as we get a good understanding that Christ suffered, and when we join with Him in suffering, we identify with Him. We actually are the sons and daughters of God when we identify Him in His suffering. And so we need a good theology when we go through hard times. That God has not left the building. He is still good and He's still sitting on the throne. Okay? And I'm giving that to you. Like, go, go work on that, you know? Thirdly, I would say exercising authority. Exercising authority. If you are a son of God and a co-heir with Christ, then you have great authority. A friend of mine is a world-renowned speaker, and he goes around and speaks at all kinds of big things. And uh, I won't tell you the name because you'll know him. And it's, but he has a son. And when he goes to these places, his son gets to put on a badge just like the speaker's badge. Just like it. Looks just like it. He's this big, you know. And he goes to these big conferences and he runs around and they, the big guy's standing at the door, you know, and they can't get in. And he goes and he just holds up his thing and they let him in. And there's you know, big green rooms with all the food. I hear I've never gotten to go myself. But, you know, he can just go in and he can do whatever he wants. Why? Because he's the son. He has access to everything because he's a son. There's a great story about... Uh, I think it was Prince Charles or a king somewhere in England. Sorry, I don't have the details. But I love the idea that people waited in line for hours and hours to just get, you know, five to six minutes with the king. And there's a rap on the door, on the side door, and in comes a little boy that needs help with his little model. He needs help putting something together. And so he just, hold on a second, he stops, and he gives the the boy undivided attention and helps him. And then he leaves and he goes, and he's like, okay, your time's done. Next person. Okay? The boy has access that nobody else has because he's a son. And you have access to the Father. And you can bring his authority into the earth. I've been working on this a little bit. I've been experimenting with this more and more. And it's, you know what? It's really fun. It's really fun to keep hitting problems and finally go, wait a minute. I can talk to God about this. I can bring his reign and rule and authority. You know, Jamie told you the story the other night about the cat. He was trying to go into my garage and I was down there. I was tired. It was late at night. I had a headlamp on and I'm working and the wind's blowing and it's just terrible. And I didn't want to get up and chase the cat out of my garage. And I finally just looked up and said, God... You've given me this place. I'm trying to make it yours. I just take dominion over it and I say, get rid of the cat, please. And I mean, 10 seconds and the cat goes, you know, and took off. It was awesome. I don't know if Gabriel, like, you know, was like, I don't know. (laughs) Whatever, it's cool. You know, but there's been a lot of other opportunities, a lot of other, you know, problems where I've just gone, okay, God, 
Give me your mind on this. What's going on? How do I pray right now? How do I bring your kingdom to this? That is exercising the authority that we've been given. And when we don't do it, we are not being who we were created to be. We are not living in the resurrection. We are not bringing the kingdom of God. We are allowing the devil to have way with us. And I want to tell you no more. Let it be no more. Exercise authority. Walk in this thing that we have. Let the joy of God just boom, go out and hit everybody. And then finally is walking with God. Walking with God. That is the entire idea. From the beginning of time to the end of time is to walk with God. He started it in the Garden of Eden. He put people there and he spent time with them walking through the garden. He is calling us into a relationship of walking with him, of being with him, where that is the, that is the function of our life. Not the pursuit of all these other things, but walking with God. I want to encourage you that if you're like, yeah, but man, that's just hard or it wears me out or, you know, I have those days too, you know, you'd think I don't because I'm paid not to or something, but I do, I'm human. And I want to tell you that in those moments, at those times, you can go to God and say, God, my heart is kind of cold right now. My, my desire for you is real low. Would you please help me? Deal with me and my weakness right now. He can, he can totally take And, you know, it, it's amazing the transformation that happens. Because you're a son, you have access. Because you're a daughter, you have access to the Father. And He will come and fill your heart and fill your life. Uh, Psalm 16 11, you know, in the NIV it says, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and eternal pleasures at your right hand. In the King James Version, it says, In his presence is fullness of joy. And the idea here is that there is a path of life. There is a way to walk with God. And when we are walking with him and his presence is in us, and through us, and around us, there is a fullness of joy. The cup that we carry is overflowing. It's a joy that springs forth, and it's inexpressible. And He has made a way for us in Christ. He has purchased us to Himself. Um... I think in just... uh, as I conclude, I want, to, I want to tell you that life is not easy. You know, it, it's not. There are hard things that happen to good people every day. And, and God is in it through that. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. He wasn't being some kind of weird uh, prophecy thing over our lives and forecasting a, a bad experience or something. He was explaining the truth that in this life we will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. He's overcome it. 
Because even in the grave, he couldn't be held. He came up. We need to live in that resurrected place. The resurrected life. A baptismal lifestyle. A lifestyle that's been buried with him and raised to walk with newness of life. Would you stand with me as the band is coming? As they get up here and the ministry team, I want to explain kind of what we do at Christ Fellowship if you're new. We take a little bit of time to do ministry. And what we want to see happen is that each person in this room that has a need is impacted by God. That you don't leave this place with a need that you don't uh, find somebody to pray with you, agree with you, lift up that burden. And so I want to release all of you people, to find the Lord in this time. We're going to play a song. You can worship with the Lord. You can meditate where you're at. But how do you need to respond in this time? And it's only a question you can answer. What is God stirring in your heart? What is he saying to you right where you're at? What are the areas that you want to see a breakthrough or see the kingdom of God come in such a way that it changes everything? Earlier in the sermon, I said that uh, there's a free gift. It's an offer to come to Jesus and turn your life around. If you don't know him or you have any question about that, I would say come forward and get prayer. Enter the kingdom of God today. Make everything new. But don't leave this place without getting prayer. I'm going to pray for us as we do this. Father, I thank you for what you're stirring in this room. During worship, I felt like you told me the word heart surgery, that you were doing heart surgery in this place. And so I pray and ask that if there's anybody here that needs your touch deep within them, that deep well of life, Lord, I pray that you would do that, that you would meet us where we're at. I pray that uh, if there's anyone that needs to know you in a new way or maybe a fresh revelation of you. I pray that you would come today, Lord. Lord, bring your resurrection life through us in the name of Jesus. Come forward, if you will.
Well, guys, I hope that, uh, that you leave this place today encouraged. I hope you leave with your... your